Welcome to the Alcon Maddox COVID-19 War Plan podcast series. Our world has changed forever. The COVID-19 pandemic has resulted in rapid adaptation on a global scale, affecting both our personal and commercial lives. Our ability to develop and evolve business processes and practice has never been more important. During this solution-orientated podcast series, we have unraveled the current top of mind dangers faced by business managers in the technology sector and pieced together actionable strategies with the help of industry experts. We aim to help as many companies as possible chart a course through these turbulent times and wish you every commercial success in the future. Episode two, cybersecurity. Our guest today is Amir A. Kalazadeh, the founder and CEO of ITSEC a leading information security consultancy and training firm committed to providing the best cybersecurity practices to organizations worldwide. In this session, we address the increased threat to cybersecurity born out of increased home working and discuss strategies to combat the problem, such as reducing in-home vulnerabilities, driving behavioral change, and finally, a cultural shift towards a shared security vision. First of all, thanks for having me, Richard. It's a privilege. Uh, my name is Amir Kolazadeh. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of a company called ITSEC. We are actually the first cybersecurity company in the region. We set up back in 2011, before when uh, <laughs> cybersecurity was unheard of in the region. Uh, I actually remember a guy, I was telling someone at, over a general with the friends of a friend, about cybersecurity and hacking, and the guy turned around and told me, you watch way many two movies, my friend. And I saw that guy again a few weeks ago, so <laughs> imagine how that conversation went. So um, uh, <clears throat> what we really do, we advise companies on uh, policy procedures and a technology of how to secure their network and how to protect their data. That's basically it. So, um, with that, we, we, we serve all industries because cybersecurity is the same. I hate to use this word, but it's one, it applies to whether you have a single computer and a single client, whether you have billions of endpoints and thousands of clients. What you need to do, what procedures, what policies that applies to the large scale, it applies to the, to the smaller scale, it, regardless of the size, regardless of industry. Um, now, this is a question that's come up a, a few times uh, with my interaction with clients over the last couple of weeks. Is, is the threat to cybersecurity or cybersecurity, like, how do you even phrase it? Is it a threat to cybersecurity or is it a cybersecurity threat for, for a start? Interesting. Um, I guess, I guess it uh, depends where you sit, right? <laughs> and uh, the perspective you're looking at it. Um, I would like to say it's a threat to cybersecurity because I like to look at cybersecurity as a, as a safeguard of the data, right? Not as a threat. So if you have cybersecurity in place, then it would be a threat to your cybersecurity health. So. Got it. But this is, not a new, this is not a new thing, right? It's obviously surfaced because of the, obviously there's a lot more people now working at home. As you said when we were speaking earlier on today, typically there are 5 to 10% of the workforce that are working remotely uh, in a normal working environment, should we say. But that's obviously increased significantly over the last few weeks, uh, which has obviously caused this uh, to become such a, a hot topic. But it's not a new thing, right? 
No, absolutely not. Obviously, I, I'm sure everyone is, uh, that it's online, obviously, our participants here, definitely uh, read and uh, been exposed to on, on a daily basis of the threats that are out there and, and, and the hacking or the biggest issues, I guess, that make the news every day is the ransomware attacks. Uh, because they're sexy and media loves that and they involve money. So, and they make good stories. Uh, obviously, there's so many other threats and, and uh, attacks that goes on at, that obviously doesn't get enough press or coverage. And unfortunately, what we hear about in the news today is 1% of the total attacks because about 99% of the companies do not even... Uh, go public with such news. So the, 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 the amount of the attacks that you hear, it's so rampant and it's so huge. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a personal decision of every company. Uh, they don't report it for whatever reason. Obviously, they don't make any news about it. So yes, it's bigger than what it, it is. Today, we're hearing about it a lot more, obviously, because it can't be hidden as the, as the workforce has been forced to, to remote without, this is not a company decision or, or, or the CEO's decision, this is a government regulation and everybody has to adhere to it. So it has actually happened. We are now forced to use the technology that is out, uh, uh, that's out there uh, that already been under attack. So suddenly it becomes a, 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 a newsworthy story now. We're hearing about a lot more obviously. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of this and start to, talking through uh, the three strategies that we were discussing earlier, can you just perhaps frame for people what is a hack? What, what is a hacker? Yeah? Fantastic. It's misconstrued sometimes, right? Exactly. I think that the best way uh, I found it in my uh, dealing with, with my clients is that when I have uh, explained the, the actually what is a hack and who's a hacker, uh, it exactly gives them the, the it, that company's vision or the way they, uh, they uh, interact or policies with their cybersecurity has changed. Mm. We, always, we, we all know what a thief maybe looks like or how it acts when we talk about, oh, my car got stolen yeah. or my car got broken into. You could totally visualize it. It's a guy with a, some kind of a sort of a heavy object hitting your you know, glass door something like that you could visualize it because of that visualization possibly you could mentally uh, work a image or some kind of a plan to protect your car whatever that might be put it in a parking it's just a, a, i guess more instinct than anything else mm -hmm. the problem with cybersecurity and and the cyber criminals is that general public has absolutely no idea what who this person or who these criminals are. The only image we have from them is what Hollywood chooses to give us. <laughs> it's a bunch of nerdy guys in their mom's basement, right? That's what we think hackers are. And that is absolutely not true. Okay. Hackers are today. What I'm talking about is today. Maybe 15 years ago, that's a different story. Today, there are a well organized corporate structure 
that go to joint ventures together. I mean, this is a underworld corporate structure. These are businesses for profit. It's large on a large scale. This is not one person or two persons. These are groups of people that specialize in different areas of cybersecurity that join hands and, and launch massive attacks. For example, there's a group in, in X country, I'm, I'm going to leave countries and nationalities out of this conversation for the time being, of X country that specializes in password, uh, uh, brute forcing password, getting over passwords. There's another group in another country that specializes in uh, stealing the data, for example. These two groups join forces. This one gets them in. The second group steals the data. They sell it off on the black market. They share the profit. So it's for profit. So hackers today are in business and PNL. They look at PNLs like every other CEOs. That's what it is. And, and, and it's important to understand why the hack happens. There's actually, we have an infograph. I'll share it with you. It's a uh, IT tech. You could post it up or share it with the group. Uh, it's interesting. They go from obviously hacktivists. Those are the people hack not for financial, but for a uh, special uh, political message or environmental message, all the way to state sponsored. So, but in the middle is the hackers that hack for money, financial gain, right? And that's what we need to remember. This is not one guy sitting in a basement drinking Mountain Dew anymore. This is a well-organized business that goes, that covers every country, every nationality, and every continent. Right. So, that's, so clearly the threat is real. Um, perhaps more so now that we're being forced to work in a way that we haven't in the past. Um, so, we're, we're, we're obviously, well, obviously, we're unwittingly a lot more exposed than we have been in the past. So, so let's now get into the, the kind of three strategies, if you like, that, that companies can employ. And this is really, as we discussed before, this is really going to be fairly high level, purely because um, to be able to advise a company on specifically what they can do would require perhaps a little bit more in-depth consulting, right? Correct. Um, obviously, these companies, due to the nature of their work and the data and their interaction, have their own intricacies that needs to be looked at. So let's take, let's take the first point. So the first one we wanted to discuss was the uh, data and infrastructure. So do you want to start by giving us an overview of kind of how that changes for a company when they're moving from an environment where everybody comes to the office to now having to uh, accommodate a home workforce? Very good. And what we can do to overcome that. Sure. So assuming that, uh, that let's, we'll take a scenario. Uh, going to an office, it's a protective area, assuming the, 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 the infrastructure that is built in the office uh, will have certain safeguards built by the IT department or, uh, or if they have a secu IT security department that allows the connectivity that happens in the company. Most likely, they have a server room that could, that could be as, the, as small as a single room or a single cabinet. But the equipment, regardless of its size, it's kind of relative to the size of the company. Uh, certain provisions and protocols have been taken into consideration in order to interact within the data of the clients. This could be, uh, and this is variety, uh, di many different ways of doing it. For example, I'll give you guys an example, is depending on maybe your clients. Uh, if you have 
Fortune 500 clients, if you have Microsoft as a client, or you have um, uh, Saudi Aramco as a client, they actually require certain protocols to be in place as an IT infrastructure for them to bring you on as a vendor, for example. Or, no, let's say if that's not in place, even regular uh, uh, IT uh, companies that you employ as your IT uh, contractors most likely have set you up on, uh, on a wireless, and that wireless probably has some built-in security, and, and it's an involving work, especially in this region. Uh, obviously, Europe and, and U.S. are extremely much more mature than this region. Uh, inherently, the, the region doesn't actually act till something happens, unfortunately. That's just the way it is. So, uh, but we're assuming that they, these things are in place. So, on a work environment, most likely you have a computer or a laptop that's been assigned to you by, by the office. That, uh, that it does not allow uh, uh, personal software to be downloaded or, or it's actually locked. Uh, it does not allow you to install any additional softwares. The softwares that are uh, such as email or whatever that, it, that might be used already installed in it. The, anti the uh, connectivity, the way that this, the laptop or the PC connects is through a secure internet connection wireless or wired, most likely in the office is wired, goes through the server or the firewalls that have connectivity to the outside. So there is a firewall, or, or for the better sense of word, is there are defenses in place as there are the walls around your office that protects the employee in order to safeguard that data. Yeah. So suddenly, obviously, what happens when we all and work from home? So those defenses are not there. We're now we're using our home network, our home wireless, that is not uh, commercial grade or security set up on it, and connecting to uh, the internet in order to have this kind of conversation, for example, right? Um, it's surely not practical for everyone that works at home to recreate that kind of uh, infrastructure, right? So what can we do to increase the security at home or reduce the threat to security right. breaches because we're working from home? Very good. So, yeah, obviously that, would be, that, that is an excellent point. Uh, obviously, that the cre recreation of, of, of that kind of an infrastructure uh, on data and security of the data, it is absolutely impossible to do. Uh, obviously, the larger the, the, the enterprises, there are ways to do that, uh, and uh, we'll, I'll talk, touch back on that in, at the end of this uh, comment. However, there are few small things that could be done that will take you from obviously being having no security whatsoever all the way up to about 90% secure, and, and it's really simple. For example, router... If everyone has a router at home, uh, some type of router they use as a wireless. Research uh, surveys around the world, around the globe, and the attacks, recent attacks in the past week, have showed that 95% of the home routers are still using default passwords and username that came with the router from the factory. Admin, admin, or admin, one, two, three, four, five. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Simply changing these two from default suddenly you just moves you up from a uh, highly targeted to good luck. It'll probably take the hackers a few tries and walk away from your router. Just as simple as that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, two weeks ago, when uh, in the uh, at the peak of the uh, uh, pandemic, uh, there was a huge. Uh, attack on the wireless uh, uh, routers around the world. The, and that's something that does not happen. The reason that happened is probably a group figured out, oh, okay, great. Uh, there's a huge amount of data to be taken. And they figured out, oh, most of these things are happening. These passwords were not changed. So they were attacking them, changing the passwords, see how smart they are. They didn't steal any data. They got in the routers and they changed your username and password. And guess what? You don't even know they changed it. They're going to come back another day and use it. So they're just leaving it for a later attack. Interesting. And that's number Passwords. That's the easiest thing. Yeah. The easiest thing. Uh, wireless. Most wireless are unsecure at home. Okay. You need to secure your wireless and make sure that it has a password. Uh, or change the password. We give our wireless passwords at home to everyone. Obviously, offices don't do that as, as, as often. Um, so if you're working from home, first thing to do is change your wireless password. Change your wireless passwords for the, for the people around the house, and hopefully you're, not, uh, you're, you're practicing social distancing and nobody's coming over, so you don't have to reshare the password anymore, correct? Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, two, two, two small things that really can help do that. If you're using a, a company-assigned equipment, which is a laptop or a PC, hopefully the, the right um, uh, antivirus or malware protection is built in. If, it's, if, it, if it is not, <clears throat> then obviously uh, that's a whole different discussion based on the requirement. But the, uh, a, a paid, not a free version, a paid uh, advanced malware protection that uh, can uh, that uses some type of a uh, AI in order to prevent uh, of visits into uh, sites that could possibly download malware to your PC or um, uh, downloads that are out there uh, is, is, is then the, will be the next recommendation that everyone should have on their PCs. So mm -hmm. one, two, three, heart, just put a password on your router, get a password, you know, make sure that your wireless is, is protected. Take a look at your router uh, settings. Uh, every router, the cheapest one in the market and the most expensive one, they all now have a firewall. And that firewall must be turned on. Mm -hmm. And by doing these four or five things, if, if you are afraid of these when you log in and you see these crazy menus and you're not a techie, I understand. Uh, but to be honest with you, it's very simple. Look up your router number online and ask for a video. There's probably 30, 50, 100 videos for every single router that showed you how to set it up quickly. But here's the thing. You're talk what you're talking about now is the responsibility of the um, employee because uh, obviously we're talking about their home, but the reality is because they're being they're having to work from home. Surely it's now it's the employer the employer's responsibility, right, to to ensure that this takes place. Uh, yes and no. The recommendations that that does that I'm making not only protects the employer, 
moving on that protects the actual yourself at home. Yeah. So regardless, uh, everyone is under attack. Exactly. These these recommendations do not apply just to uh, because you're working out of home. These recommendations is that they can they will actually protect you and your family on a long term basis. Yeah. Okay. But yes, you are correct because we are forced, and maybe there are additional uh, security measures that needs to be put in place. I believe that uh, every company, every enterprise, if they are asking. Well, this is a different situation, but if, let's say if it was not a pandemic when, and, and it was a, uh, a voluntary uh, work from home situation, obviously the enterprise or the organization will provide the infrastructure to do that, okay? Yeah. On a larger organization, for example, they, they probably use VPNs, meaning the data is stored at, still at the office. And in order to access that data, I would have some type of VPN into that infrastructure. But yes, you are correct. It is the responsibility of the organization to protect its employees and its data. Right. So one final thing before we close off this first um, topic, um, and that's, I think there's, there's perhaps a misconception there that um, from a personal perspective, we think that um, not that we're immune, but we can't fathom a hacker attacking us as, uh, as, as an individual. But am I right in saying that that's not necessarily the case? It's not that we're they're looking for us. It's just that we're opening it. We're inviting them in to some extent. Correct. Um, correct. Let's. I'll start with this. On a daily basis, I mean, on every day, I I hear this comment. Why would someone hack us? And we we we're nobodies. I mean, you know, we we. We make bread, uh, you know, I, I have a, I'm an accounting firm, right? Mm. And the answer to that is the hackers don't care who you are. Everyone, uh, you know, my wife, you know, we have this argument all the time. And I say, because what I do, you need to be more extra careful. I mean, you can't just download things. And, and, and on a constant basis, she tells me, why would anyone hack me? They still people don't understand. It's you are not being hacked. Your data is being hacked. If you look at your contact, let's say on, on average people have around, you know, 700, 500 contacts, you know, because they don't delete them, right? Not that they're in touch with all those people. You look at those contacts. I guarantee you everyone in their phone will find three, four, five people that go, oh, wow. I had no idea I had this guy's, you know, phone number. You might have got, you know, someone you know uh, uh, four or five years ago, suddenly, you know, he's, he's the vice minister of something or, uh, you know, suddenly a CEO of, of a company. So that happens throughout everyone. That's valuable data. So they're not attacking you in per se, go, oh, I want to go attack a me. Obviously, yes, I'm a nobody. Nobody wants to attack me. But... The attacks are based on the data that we carry. The, obviously, the, the, the landscape of attacks have shifted dramatically. Uh, sitting there and, and obviously there are targeted attacks, but obviously it's not around general public, more, more of a political or uh, maybe uh, targeted towards CEOs or things in that nature. 
On the larger scale, obviously, the attacks that placed, are placed around the enterprise are very simple. Hackers know one thing that we seem to forget every day. And that thing they practice is people, sorry to say this, are stupid. And they use our stupidity in against us. Why are we stupid? Because... I'll stop you there, because I think I get a feeling you're progressing into the second part, which is the behavior of others. No, 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 no. Okay, but I was going to say, because, because they, by using our uh, vulnerabilities as, as not wanting to purchase or uh, invest in infrastructure, we are more prone to download uh, softwares. 95% of the free downloads or cracked softwares have built-in malware that allows or opens the door for a hacker. So hackers don't actually hack you in. They put a bait out there, such as a free software, which you get to download, and boom. Once you download it, it access your data, sends a signal back to the hacker, Amir's computer is on, and let the All games right. Okay, cool. So for, for the first, so to kind of rephrase the first one, the, the issue you're talking about is, uh, is that around data and infrastructure, and there's three very simple um, uh, rules to follow or strategies to employ there. So it's simply changing passwords, um, upgrading uh, the settings uh, in the routers, sorry, make sure I have routers and, and make sure I have any kind of upgrades, right? So those are three things, right? Exactly, like a, a simple firmware upgrade, you know, the, the latest firmware, for example, correct. Okay, perfect. Guys, just to make sure we're on point with the content here, does anybody have any questions or insights regarding anything that's been uh, discussed before we move on to the second point? Just make comments in the, in the chat box. Okay, great, looks like we're on point. So let's move on to the second, uh, second part. So the second one we're talking about um, is the, the need for behavioral change, right? Now, Correct. Tell us a little bit more. What, what, what do you mean by behavioral change, and how is this even a strategy to, to protect ourselves? Correct. Uh, inherently, if you look at the psychology of security, is, is a, a, it works in, in very uh, unique ways. I'll, and I have this example that I, I love to use, is that, uh, I'll ask it here. Could you, some, anyone, uh, just tell me, usually, what do you do after you lock your door, uh, your car door? You, 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 what is it, the next thing you do when you lock your car door? Anyone? Do you look back? Do you check it? Is that what you mean? There you go. Exactly. We are instinctly just grab the door, whatever door we lock. We turn it, we push it, we want to make sure it's locked. Am I correct? Yeah. It's yeah. a behavior. It's, it's mm -hmm. instinct. It's built into us for some odd reason. Mm -hmm. It has taken, I don't know how many years to, to get here instinctly. When we lock something, we know we locked it. We hear the click. But yeah. the instinct is we double check it, right? Mm -hmm. We have, our behaviors have not gotten there, it's not evolved to practice the same thing online <laughs> yet, okay. right? So that's what we talk about behavioral changes. We don't, we don't 
know how to check. Like you say, you install a firewall, for example. I don't know how to check that the firewall is actually in place. There's just a trust element there, right? Correct. Well, the, the example is not actually that, that we check it instantly. I mean, I'm not asking, you know, we're not saying that you should check it online. Is that it's a modified behavior, right? The, the modified behavior tells us that uh, we're just more relaxed online because we feel, and it was true because there was that, again, that distance or, or that virtualization between us and the, the online world, which is no longer there. The threats are real and, and the, the, they threaten us. So, give you another example. When I go back to New York or, or back to US, here I leave my wallet, my uh, keys, uh, my phone in the restaurant, and uh, you know, wherever you go, right? Yeah. You, you, here, because you know you, it's just, you're going to get it back. If nobody's going to take it. But you're back in the States or back in London, you're going to hide your wallet about six, <laughs> six places deep. Yeah. Exactly. 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 Are you practicing the same thing when you log on? No. Hmm. We're loose about our behavior. We click on many links, uh, flashy, uh, flashy links, downloads, uh, anything that says free, we just click happy. So yeah. the behavioral challenges we're talking about is that we must be vigilant about our behavior or our interaction with the online world. So every time we're on a browser and everybody has this, you know, you, you look up something and, and six minutes later, you're just far away from what you looked up because you just keep clicking on these links. Every links that are provided, every site that you visit could inherently have some kind of a uh, hidden malware or danger. By practicing vigilance, where is it, who it is, and a few small things, you can add six, seven layers of protection to yourself and the data that you have. But again, the question, again I think the question for me, and, and certainly for some of the people on this call, will be okay. If this are we, should we be relying on our employees to do this or should we be taking the lead and almost enforcing it upon them, especially if we're giving them you know, hardware to take home, um, we're, 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 we're requiring them to do business online, we need to provide them with the, the, the right security protocols to, to drive that behavior, right? Because like you said before, I, I'm not sure if you mentioned it during this call or, or the one we had this morning, but people are, um, uh, it's just like on the call now, right? So because people that yeah. on the call now, like me, I have my shorts on, but I wouldn't be wearing my shorts in work, because, but we're inherently more relaxed because we're in our home environments. And we have exactly. 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 But see, again, going back and looking at, obviously, my own uh, interaction with my clients, uh, most of the uh, enterprise uh, or organizations ha are also in danger post, actually pre-pandemic, uh, pre-COVID-19, was that people that actually took something home, worked on it at home, and brought it back to the office. Mm. Their, their, their office environment is protected, correct? But yeah. they took a USB, they worked on it in a spreadsheet at home, uh, and brought it back to the office. Guess what? Their computer at home was fully uh, uh, full of malware and spyware, whatever it is in there, which got infected into that USB, right? <clears throat> and they took that back to the office. 
What I'm recommending here is these behavioral changes affect your personal data at the same time. So yeah. by practicing these, not you only providing protection to obviously your work and your work environment, it is you're, you're doing that for yourself also. Your family data is also, uh, I, I think that if, a, uh, if one of us got hacked uh, and uh, the picture of children, our, our children were, were exposed, I think that is a lot more concerning than a, a client's data. I, it would for me, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, exactly, exactly. So, and I go back to my car uh, uh, example. If your company car, if a company gives you a car, you still double check the door when you lock it. It's a behavioral thing. Why are you not doing that? <laughs> uh, and you do that for your own car. So, it, regardless of whose data, behavioral changes helps everyone. And today, as we sit here, we all have a social responsibility to do that. If we all practice that, as we're practicing the social distancing and staying at home, we could definitely uh, have an effect on how hackers uh, behave. Uh, maybe post this. Yeah, maybe at the moment there's an increased threat because it's the more, should we say, opportunistic. They're taking advantage yeah. of the fact that there's such a large amount of people that are um, now exposed in a way that they weren't, and therefore a lot more companies that are exposed in a way they weren't uh, prior to this period. Okay. Exactly. So uh, just, to, just to wrap this up, uh, about two years ago, uh, hackers were not interested in small businesses. They were as well, you know, large organizations, Sony, Walmart, mm. they gave it up. Every, every one of those large guys have locked up their stuff, right? The, the large... The, the, the large enterprise, the Fortune 500, the Fortune 1000 is no longer a target list. They've done, you know, they were, but now they're all locked. The hackers, it's not worth hackers' time. Past 24 months, we have seen the landscape, the, 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 uh, the, the tax landscape has shifted to small and medium-sized businesses because they're unprotected. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's even to show how that shifts. Okay, so the second point we're making here then is, the, is just this requirement to be more vigilant from a behavioral perspective. But then also we need to drive, um, the need, so there needs to be uniformity and approach from a management style in how we educate our uh, employees about what to do as well, right? So Correct. Whether we have these um, security measures or security education programs in place uh, already, uh, it's irrespective, we should at least now start because as we maintain this new working environment, the reality is um, this problem won't go away. It's going to stay until we deal with it. So there's no point in kicking the kicking the pebble down the road, so to speak. So on that, guys, does anybody have on the? So this is the second obviously point that we're covering. Does anybody have any questions uh, about what Amos just been saying or any insights, uh, or perhaps any experiences you've had with with uh, tackling these issues already in your businesses? <clears throat> One question, actually. Uh, I'm at, I'm at yes. side. Can you hear me? Sorry, I can't see. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't uh, switch on the video because uh, my network is not so great, uh, Richard. Uh, okay. The thing is, uh, I'm at, my question is, uh, see, now the almost uh, the mentality, especially in the region, will move towards the cloud options. Okay, fine. Then what? Because when you say cloud, okay, fine. The hosted services, everything is believable. I mean, I believe that they are well secured. Okay, 
hopefully. Okay. But in that case, in what perspective the corporate world, whether it's a small or mid-sized or enterprises, will have such an impact on the cybersecurity? I agree that they will be having internal uh, network, having user account and password that to that level vulnerable. But the data, all those things are going to sit in the cloud where the hosted guys will have a, such a good uh, security system on the front end. Will it be still a risk? If yes, and what extent actually? Sure. Uh, let me give you a, a very simple answer. Whether you host your data, whether it's on the cloud, whether it's at risk, the data, once you have a computer, once you have a passport and a login, your data is at risk, regardless where it is, right? The level of risks is different. This is why there is something that called data classification. As an organization, we should decide what we put on the cloud, what we host ourselves, what is uh, based on classification. So me as a small company, obviously I have many degreeing of data. Things that I can risk uh, that could be exposed and not have long-term damage, maybe I put them on the, on the cloud. Uh, things that I can host internally uh, with that needs to be more secure and me having more control over it, maybe I won't put them on the cloud. This comes to determination of that classification uh, internally of each company. Obviously, cybersecurity um, uh, people could advise on, uh, on, on, on the best practices, but at the end of the day, it is the call of the, 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 the companies how to classify that. However, the use of the cloud is there and it's not going away. It's easier to maintain, it gives a lot of benefits, and um, obviously has risk involved. Hosting your own data has exactly the same thing. I've had people that decided to go against the cloud, hosted their own data, with, they had backup issues. So the, the, the building got caught on fire and they lost everything. Mm. Do you see what I mean? So sure. it, it's, which actually brings us to the next point, Richard, that's very good, is that this is what we call cybersecurity vision that goes from okay. the, exactly. Yeah, go on, go on, actually, no, that, that makes, that makes more sense, that. It, it makes more sense, that, that was actually the third kind of pillar of what we're discussing today. So obviously we, we talked about the data and the infrastructure, we talked now about the uh, the, 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 the need for kind of a more vigilant behavior to be installed within an organization. But then what you're talking about now is the more forward-thinking security vision that needs to be led from the most senior level within our organizations, right? That is correct. That Sorry, I'm going to go on. You're going to... Automatically, so that is, that's the security vision we talk about. So we, uh, long ago, we decided that, that we see that a lot of companies, a lot of enterprises uh, uh, start, they thought that they had no choice but to, to accept the, the having a cybersecurity or IT security. The ones that have just resisted and uh, have not accepted or just have accepted with force, obviously these are the companies who are doing checklists. They're not looking at their data, they're not looking at their activities, they're not understanding the risk. They are part of that companies that says, oh, we, we don't, we're not, why would somebody want to hack us? So, 
So they think a hack is targeted. They don't know this is nothing to do with them. It could be just a single click by a single employee, their receptionist most likely, uh, that would just invite and, and, and expose them. So the difference between a CEO or board of directors or a managing director understanding cybersecurity and saying part of the vision, uh, we have vision statements to be um, responsible uh, to add value to our shareholders, uh, to be a social responsible company, to whatever, environment, uh, have profitability, happy employees, is to provide a secure and safe uh, protection of our data and our clients' data. So if that becomes part of the vision of the leader of the company, then the behavioral changes are so much easier that rolls over because the cybersecurity is not looked at as, a, in, uh, as an expense and a pain in the neck anymore. It's actually looked at as an investment and yeah. a necessity and is given the leverage, is giving the uh, attention and is giving the support and the budget it requires to fend off attacks. This is quite an important point. So what I think is, uh, what's been quite obvious over the last few weeks, as we obviously entered this um, the kind of phase one, let's say, of this uh, period, which is obviously filled with perhaps a bit of fear and uncertainty, you had a lot of companies adopting the mindset of, you know, kind of very defensive mindset, very um, consolidatory mindset, we'll batten down the hatches, we'll, we'll draw things in, we'll protect ourselves short term, because things will bounce back, we'll get back to normal in a few weeks, couple of months, whatever. Um, because of that mindset, they haven't adopted this long-term vision. Okay, things have changed. It's going to be different. We're going to be operating in a completely different way in the future. We need to put in place the right systems to allow that change and now invest in the right products. Because they haven't yet come around to that vision, the short-term mentality is um, they're, buy, they're, they're buying or using or allowing their um, employees to use uh, communication tools, for example, that are quickly and easily available, very popular, but they're not perhaps the most safest because they've just seen very companies, it's short term. This will be over in a few weeks and we'll get back back, back on track with, with something else. So I think it's quite important to cover the, um, the kind of switch we made for today's call based on your advice. You know, we moved over from the original Zoom call um, to uh, this uh, Cisco WebEx. So can you just give us a little bit of commentary around the reason for that change and why that's important for other companies to understand the rationale there? Sure. Um, <clears throat> with, the, uh, with the events that happened, uh, obviously, uh, re recently, the, the need of video conferencing obviously had just peaked. Video conferencing had been around almost, I think, 20 years. Uh, it went from, you remember those big old cameras that we had to buy and they were USBs and we put them on top of the screens, obviously, to these uh, almost invisible cameras that are built into our, our, our laptops. Uh, the means of communication, obviously, is, is enhanced. It used to be one-on-one, -on -one, obviously. Now we can have unlimited 50, 100, 200 people on, on the same call as we have today. Um, what has happened in particular with Zoom Going back, just like data classification or hosting your data that has risk, every piece of software, every piece of technology has risk and vulnerabilities. 
No one can say that it doesn't. This is why we upgrade. This is why Microsoft is sending you all these upgrades every day. This is why, uh, or Apple is, this is why your phone is constantly is telling you that you need to upgrade. If you're not upgrading, you're hurting yourself. That's basically it. Believe me, neither Microsoft or Apple or any of these companies have extra money to, to spend on these things. If they're giving you a notification that you need to upgrade that, it's something seriously wrong because they're worried about, obviously, you as a consumer. They're not wasting their time uh, to reprogramming all these things all the time. So that is important. Um, with, with video conference, unlike other <clears throat> data, there's no footprint. So once we end this session today, well, we have one because we recorded it. So, but I chose not to record it. Uh, I chose to record this on the cloud because we want hackers to hear this, right? <laughs> so obviously, this is, please, come on and hack this. This is exactly what that we want you to hack. But let's say this was a uh, board of directors uh, call or you, it was a CEO to his investor or, or whatever that, that would be pervy to privilege. I wouldn't choose to record this to the cloud WebEx gives me the option to work safe to the cloud or safe to my desktop or my computer locally. You yeah. see the difference? Right. So these are the things that makes the difference. So with Zoom in particular, or all these video conferencing, they were in use. I use them all the time. But only around 10% of the global workforce did remote uh, access or remote working, whether either they were traveling or they worked out of home because of special circumstances. Suddenly, overnight, all of us, almost 90% of the global workforce is pushed into uh, living rooms to uh, work out of there. So, and we, they, we need to collaborate. We need to see our colleagues. It's, this has happened too quickly. Emails are no longer getting the work done. We need to see each other. So the traffic now on these video conferencing units and the foot, as I said, they don't leave a footprint because if we choose not to record it, now create a new opportunity for hackers to look at these uh, video conferencing uh, platforms and suddenly they were able to exploit, or discover and exploit Zoom in a way that it is unprecedented. So, I mean, I, in my, I've been doing this for 20 years and this is something that I've, it's really bad. What has happened is Zoom seemed that as a technology, Zoom in itself has actually put it on Zoom. Okay, Zoom does not have a security vision. They, they built uh, they built a, a platform with zero, zero, zero cybersecurity or security uh, measures or vision. Because if they had a vision, this wouldn't have gone that way. So it brings us to the point, the software is vulnerable. We like everything else. Since the discovery of these vulnerabilities, they have not addressed them. As I said, every, every software, every technology is prone to have security or flaws. We, me as a professional, cybersecurity professional, I look at how fast a company responds 
to a discovered flaw. That makes it for me, the, uh, is it a good company, good product, or a bad company? Uh, for, for companies like Zoom that has sat and not responded or fixed, obviously that is a concern. Yeah. Listen, we're going to have to, we're going to have to wrap up because we're getting the clocks uh, speeding away. So let me just quickly sum up the, the kind of points we've discussed today. Okay. So as I said, the main, the main issue that we were addressing today in our session was the issue of the increased threat to cyber security one of the fact that we're now having to work remotely. Um, the three things that we've discussed are the three kind of strategies that companies employ today uh, to, to make a difference uh, would be first of all from a, from a data and infrastructural perspective to make sure that we are uh, helping our employees update our passwords or change the passwords from, from admin admin. Um, make sure they change the settings on their routers and upgrade uh, the software that they have in-house to make sure that not only they uh, are more secure, but then also any work that we're requiring them to do uh, is secure. But then also when they come back to the office, our, our infrastructure uh, within our on-site, if you like, still remains um, secure, or as secure as it can be. Uh, the second thing was to just have a more vigilant mindset to uh, management around um, security within our organizations and drive this kind of behavioral change. Um, and then the third thing is really the vision. So it's creating at a, at a, at a very senior, at a board level, it's making sure that we as leaders within our organizations add to our mission or vision statements the fact that we are security conscious and we are, um, this, is, this is part of who we're becoming, not just um, uh, a problem here. As, sorry, we do have a question here. Let me just um, bring this up. So, from Ibrahim, I'm just going to read this question out. So, without having involved in continuous vigilance, we're all not safe in cyberspace because behavioral changes are main reason for all kinds of threats. So, if we nurture and work continuously on infrastructure, wireframes, and applications, the technology will try to protect us in the cyberspace. Any comments to that, Amit? Um, <clears throat> I'm still not. I'm trying to understand uh, the. Question I think here. I think it was just uh, an insight. Well, if you look at it, <laughs> so to, to wrap this up exactly, to, in order to answer this and wrap this up, where there we have a saying in cybersecurity world, we say, unfortunately, humans are the weakest link. <laughs> we can't surely end on that. <laughs> we, we are. So I could, you could hire me and give me unlimited budget, and I'll buy the latest and the most sophisticated equipment the world has to offer. NASA can't get bigger than NASA, right? Or FBI, am I right, guys? We don't have bigger than them, unlimited budget. They get hacked all the time. <laughs> so the behavior, the behavior change is the, is the key thing. Without the behavior change, we can't, all we're looking to do is not, is not, is not eliminate the threat, it's reduce it as much as humanly possible. But this is our collective responsibility, not just as a Correct. we need to influence that behavioral change. Okay, exactly. so, just, so we've covered those two points. Thanks very much for, for, for walking us through that, Ahmed. Um, as I said, I've spoken to a few of you guys on the call already over the past couple of weeks. For those of you um, that 
uh, I haven't. I'll obviously reach out in the next couple of days just to kind of get your insights and, and feedback on what the value derived from this session, but also to get your um, uh, um, your requirements for upcoming uh, sessions that we have in a couple of weeks as well. So we'll be doing this every week. We'll probably have Amma back in a couple of weeks to tackle cybersecurity from uh, a remote delivery perspective uh, as well, not just the in-home part which we've just covered. Um, if you want uh, a copy of this uh, webinar, please just put your, your name email in the uh, chat box so you can send me an email after the call. We can arrange that for you. Um, and then also just moving forward, obviously what we're doing now, we're, we're still very much in this kind of um, uh, resetting phase. Um, the, the, the economy will have you will bounce back at some point in the future. Um, the reality we bounce back to is still to be determined. But if you need uh, assistance from a uh, uh, staffing recruitment point of view as well, then obviously we're here to, to support you. Because I think what's actually been quite interesting in the conversations I've had over the past few weeks is the requirements on individuals when they're now being recruited into the workforce are fundamentally different, right? There have been, the core competencies are the same, but there are certain parts, certain skill sets that we now need to start to look for um, that we perhaps haven't looked for in the past. But also from a candidate point of view, we, we now have to surface these experiences that, uh, that are now becoming more relevant to, uh, to hiring managers. So look, with that in mind, guys, I just want to say thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I'll look forward to seeing you again here at the same time next week. Uh, Amma, did you want to say anything in closing? Uh, no, thank you for obviously having me. Uh, uh, just uh, as, as everyone that gets online today, whether it's home or work or whatever it is, it is you must protect yourself. It's regardless if we're doing it for our employers or our company or whoever. Um, uh, you must definitely practice, learn, and uh, follow some kind of guidelines. The world has changed forever. and. And we all are targets. We hope you enjoyed the session. If you'd like Alcon Maddox to support your next talent acquisition project, please contact Richard at alconmaddox.com or visit our website for more information.
Welcome to the Alcon Maddox COVID-19 War Plan podcast series. Our world has changed forever. The COVID-19 pandemic has resulted in rapid adaptation on a global scale, affecting both our personal and commercial lives. Our ability to develop and evolve business processes and practice has never been more important. During this solution-orientated podcast series, we have unraveled the current top-of-mind dangers faced by business managers in the technology sector and pieced together actionable strategies with the help of industry experts. We aim to help as many companies as possible chart a course through these turbulent times and wish you every commercial success in the future.